Welcome to Mobius Theory Spaceport. You are now cleared for landing in Docking Bay B. <laughs> you were sending me stuff and I was trying to sign up and so I've now signed up and put a password in so I don't know if I'll be able to remember that next time but uh, but it's good to be here and good to I see Mr. Hans on as well good to hello Frank hey good to meet you likewise Miss, Mr. Hunt is in the New York New Jersey area I knew that because I am a avid listener to your podcast Oh wow! Wow! You're the one. <laughs> You're the one. <laughs> I think I've heard almost every episode, pretty much. I mean, I'm, I'm wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow, I feel empowered. To... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we. Could, I, I thought that we like getting into. Um, I think we like to talk about new york a lot between the both of us or the three of us is that right i'm having issues how to f address ourselves i enjoy talking about new york certainly but yeah uh, we definitely like just talking to... about myself yeah <laughs> we have to talk about tony romo at some point obviously <laughs> <laughs> it took a good 30 seconds for you to bring that up <laughs> <laughs> I understand we've uh, deeply offended you. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to come to the defense of Tony Romo, and uh, and I, I'll, I'll start. If you can, I am I allowed to start on this, Andy? Is this uh, yeah fine? I, yeah, yeah. Because I, when I listen to your podcast, one of the things that strikes me that that. I also feel, and I don't know if Andy, you and I have talked about this at all, but you talk about the kind of nerd culture or like the outsider culture. I don't know if that's the word you use to describe it, but like yes. the outsider culture. And so I was a bit surprised by the Tony Romo comment because here's a guy who is an outsider. Like he was uh, undrafted. Uh, Eastern Illinois, nobody wanted him out of high school. I mean, he went to Eastern Illinois. And so here's the kind of, it, it's like the Drew Brees. I'm not comparing him to Drew Brees in terms of his uh, stature, although he's not, you know, I, I wouldn't say he's that far off, but like Drew Brees is the underdog, right? Like the short quarterback who nobody wants. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's just epic. And even the, even the Chargers don't want him. And he's and he's epic and he proves himself. And to me, that's always been a great story about Drew Brees. And I think the same way about Tony Romo, like Eastern Illinois, like he literally sat through the whole draft. Nobody drafts him. The Cowboys are from a small contract to come in. He's got uh, you got Drew Bledsoe, the, the tall, handsome guy who who's he has to kind of take over that role when Drew Bledsoe, Drew Bledsoe gets injured. And so and then, you know. Uh, I know this is this is it gets ridiculous because I'm 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 coming to the fence of this guy's made me you know made a hundred million dollars but um but, <laughs> but he's also I would contend and, and I'm a cowboy fan uh, I, I'm I'm partly ashamed of that but there's nothing I can do about it like I'm I'm a cowboy fan and I have been for a long time he's the greatest quarterback statistically that's ever played for the Cowboys and that's in every category. 
completion percentage, number of touchdowns, lowest interception percentage, highest QB rating, second highest QB rating of all time in the NFL. Um, and this is like better than Aikman and Staubach. And so I think what happens sometimes is people put too much emphasis on the Super Bowl. And so I'll go back to Drew Brees. Like John Kitna has a Super Bowl win. And Drew Brees has one, doesn't he? Or does he have two? He has one. He has one. Yeah, so we can't put John Kitna and Drew Brees in the same category as quarterbacks, but they both have one Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, one Super Bowl. But like, you know, and no offense to the New York Giants fans out there, but you can't tell me Eli Manning is anywhere near Drew Brees in terms of quarterbacking. But he's got more Super Bowls than Drew Brees statistically way worse than any of these quarterbacks we're talking about. Like he's uh, Eli Manning only has 50% win percentage. He only won half of his games, but he's got two Super Bowls. And he's going to the hall of fame, you know? So like Tony Romo to me is this guy, like as a cowboy fan who gets totally bashed all the time. But I think of him as this kind of underdog guy. Nobody wanted him. He comes in and he just, He's fun to watch. He just happens to be on a bad team a lot. Like, you know, bad management, bad, you know, just a bad team. Like he doesn't, you give him the team that Troy Aikman played for and he's, he's going to do some epic things. Like they had the best offensive line in the history of the world at that time. So, um, so anyway, that's, that's all I'll say about Drew Brees. And then there was then, then one last thing, uh, that's all I'll say about Tony Romo. But one last thing on the, um, because you mentioned his broadcasting as well. <laughs> I just wanted to also come to his defense in that way. He has won uh, in multiple years in a row. He's been named, he and Jim Nance are the best broadcasters for, for football. And to me, Troy Aikman, I like Troy Aikman, don't get me wrong, but he's kind of, I mean, Troy Aikman's an interesting story because here's a guy uh, and th- this will get into my like uh, th- my theories of of the handsome people in the world and how they can become overrated and stuff like that. I don't know if that that would be a conversation at some point you'd want to have. But um, but Troy, the handsome guy, went to Oklahoma. Then he goes to UCLA, drafted number one in the draft. Like he, this is the golden child, right? Like he's and I like him, but I'm just saying like. Tony Romo's not drafted at all. Troy Aikman's drafted number one. Uh, you know, Roger Staubach, they call the comeback kid, but Tony Romo has more comebacks than Roger Staubach in his career. So, like, everything – I don't understand why people – and I get not just on your podcast, obviously, but I hear these people talk about Tony Romo. I'm like, that guy was an amazing quarterback and fun to watch for Cowboy fans who had no hope of winning any – Super Bowl because we knew he sucked pretty much every year. He gave us something to watch, you know, like he scrambled, he got out of pickles and stuff like that. And it was just fun to watch that guy play. Um, but just played on sorry teams most of the time. Well, that's a interesting <laughs> way to phrase the the underdog thing. No, it's a really good good point because yeah. it's uh that was uh, educational and eloquently spoken. Thank and you. And I agree. And I agree about Eli Manning. It. it oh uh, hell yeah! To, to speak <laughs> to your point, Frank. That's one of my favorite terms. Um, <laughs> um, 
it, it goes to the def definition of success too again because I mean I guess in terms of NFL that is kind of one of one of if not the most important I mean without a doubt like the be all end all but uh here's a you know does that really does that really matter like what does that matter if you know you win two super bowls but in your 15 I don't even know how long he's you know was playing but in his tenure um can be so wildly erratic that he won't even start some games yet the next year he could be in the playoff like it's yeah. so inconsistent and it's not really trustworthy it's not really a good role model yeah. <laughs> like an erratic player who who just uh and i know there's a lot of factors with football especially it's not it's so team oriented you can't just yeah it's just the luck of the draw with your linemen and whatever but yeah, yeah I mean, it's interesting I, I do think like I mean, I give Tom Brady credit, like obviously seven Super Bowls, pretty amazing. Like I, I don't happen to like Tom Brady too much, but he's kind of like the Nolan Ryan of football to me. You know, I don't like Nolan Ryan a whole lot, but you can't argue that Nolan Ryan's the greatest pitcher of all time. Over 5,000 strikeouts, like, you know, seven no hitters. Sandy Koufax has four. I mean, that's just, I don't like him that much, but he's amazing. You know, and Tom Brady to me is the same way. He's amazing. He's a leader. There's no doubt that he's good at what he does. And he was underrated too, obviously. Like he came in sixth round. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing what he's done for his career. Um, but yeah, I just think sometimes we overrate the Super Bowl because you do have to have a team of 53, I guess, other people or whatever it is. And they have to, you have to have a good leadership, good, good coaching. Like it's no surprise that Kansas City's doing pretty well with Andy Reid and you know like they also have an awesome quarterback and stuff like that too but um, you have to have all the right ingredients and Eli Manning to his credit did come like when it mattered you know like at that moment when it really really mattered he you know he came through and his receivers came through like with the catch off the helmet and all that stuff like like you have to be uh, you have to have some cojones to, to be able to just come you know be big in that big moment and stuff like that but i do love when you guys talk about like the underdog i felt that that to me has been a part of of, of at least what i have thought of as my story like i i don't know if i've joked with you about this andy but like to me if you're like six four and handsome and I know, Mr. Hunt, you, you said you're tall, I think, at some point. And so sorry you, just, you, you just described him. <laughs> <laughs> he, he actually also was a star quarterback in high school. And... Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, so don't take this personally, Mr. Hunt. But I you're... <laughs> He's had every advantage in life. <laughs> should have some sort of disadvantage uh put upon you you know what i mean like <laughs> hold on where's the stop recording button <laughs> you just shouldn't be allowed to do certain things if you're like six four you've got so many other great things in life that you can look forward to that like you know you got to give some other people a chance that's why i love about drew Brees, like six foot maybe six one they list him i think at six one but i doubt he's six one right he's probably six foot but he's a he's dominant at his position. That's pretty amazing. Like these people who can can do what they do. It's almost like to me, Drew Brees is one of these people who has willed himself. Like the chip on his shoulder is so big because of all the people who've told him he can't do something. 
That yeah. to me is inspirational. Um, but when you're Tom Brady, yeah, you won seven Super Bowls, but you're also like super handsome, super tall. Like at some point, <laughs> come on, it's too much. Like Drew yeah. Brees has the 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 birthmark on the face that he's now had removed, I guess. But yeah, he's not gonna be on. He he's not gonna be on the cover of Drew uh, GQ unless he wins the Super Bowl. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is. Yeah, and and that's what I love about him. I mean, Reluctantly, he's, yeah, he's, no, I know he's battled. You know, well, this yeah. is all good stuff, but I still struggle with uh, equating Tony Romo with nerd culture. Was <laughs> 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 he memorizing every elf clan that uh, Tolkien ever came up with before he won a Super Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of hard because Tony Romo is a handsome guy as well and tall, so. My my theory does break down. Uh, he's he's not nerd culture. Maybe he's underdog culture. Okay, he was Sold. underdog. Now he's <laughs> now he's not an underdog anymore. I, I mean, obviously he's he's you know he gets paid I think fifteen million a year to do his broadcasts and stuff like that. So he's not he's he but he came from an underdog. He came from a, a, like a lower middle class. There's still. Yeah, and I don't, I don't have any. I think I know we all talked about this in our own way, but I don't have any kind of limitation on by virtue of having achieved something or have some level of of income that that changes you. I mean, look at people like um, like Jay Z and Oprah. Like, like I, they, that doesn't mean that they're just you know that doesn't change where they came from. Right. Yeah. They're still Jenny from the block. Want... Yeah. We we uh, I was looking at Bruce Springsteen's net worth earlier. I I tend to like to look up people's net worth for some reason, but um, and he has five hundred million dollars. So, you know, came from nothing basically. Now he's, but I still feel he's he's uh, genuine. You know, he's um, authentic uh, as a as an artist. Agree. And so yeah. So, but yeah, Tony Romo comes from this background of. You know, not nothing, but just humble. Blue Back collar. Back. Blue collar, yeah. Like Billy Joel. <laughs> That's another yeah. one. Uh, comparing net worth, I, it's always weird to compare. And he, I've seen him a few times in different in different cities, and he puts on a great show. And he always has this. It's not a jab. It's just he always mentions Elton John as some kind of um, someone who has a lot more money than him. So he can even kind of. Uh, and uh, you know it's not. I think he acknowledges that he's a big, rich star, but he has had his his, his issues. But he's still, it, it's a, you know, I, I don't know. What I'm I kind of am getting into like another concept here with comparisons, but it's just... which is good because we probably need to get off the Tony Romo because I'm sure I've I've exhausted all my Tony Romo <laughs> knowledge. <at this> point. <laughs> so, so... <laughs> For the next twenty minutes, we'll talk about things that rhyme with Romo. <laughs> um, you know, I talking about success and chip on her shoulder. It's um, wonder if it's worth talking about. Where does that start to break down and become a a negative? And I think. It, or does it ever? Because I, um, I'm not trying to speak into Michael Stipe's brain, but having a a, a connection through him through a good friend, um, 
and and I don't again I don't know what he's thinking and I don't think that it's really like what I'm making it out to be but Michael Stipe I know has been ha, may have like some wish that they could be as big as you too which is like you think about REM and they're like as big as you've can ever be in a a rock band right yeah there's still someone there's still something that he would like have liked something more and so where does it stop it's like uh that's a good point i mean you know power corrupts yeah yeah i don't think it does stop i I think that's unfortunate i mean we talked about it with i don't know that this is what happened with kate spade i'm not trying to say but i'm just mentioning it because you had talked about kate spade with me and you know how how do you find like if it is a chip on your shoulder where you're trying to find happiness through those kinds of pursuits then yeah i don't think you're going to find it uh but i think you're like someone like drew Brees is probably wired in a way where it doesn't he probably he might even know he's not going to find it but it's just, he's just going to be wired in a way that pushes him um I mean, he, you know, for instance, he knows already that he's not catching Tom Brady in terms of Super Bowls or in terms of even the level that people put him at as a quarterback because you just can't at this point. But, yeah, and then a lot of these – this happens to a lot of athletes, right? They they don't know what to do when they get done yeah. being celebrated. Like, they don't know what, what's next. I don't know if that will happen to Drew Brees or not. I don't know much about him. But, but yeah, I don't know that it ever stops. Exactly. I mean, it does. Do you think Michael Stipe uh, sits around still worried about this, or like I, you... probably, probably not? But I probably, um, but I, I guess by maybe I'm changing the 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 slant a little bit. But we can go back to this. But maybe maybe it has to do more with like respect. Like you feel like you can have achieved a certain thing but people are still talking about this guy and, and maybe that does something because i know we yeah. all have that like what about me <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i have a, a lot of respect for people who are able to just be happy you know with with their own you know their own thing and their own pursuits i don't know you know I, some people hide it well they're like some people are unhappy but they hide it well or they mask it in a kind of happiness where you think that they're happy but there are some people i think that are just genuinely they're it's not like they're content in a way that's made them lazy they still pursue things but they don't necessarily uh there's not that kind of jealousy or the that um way of looking at the world where they're always comparing themselves to somebody else and there's a kind of maturity to that I think yeah that, uh, it's it's nice you know who i think and again, I, we don't know anything about any of these people unless somebody is not uh, giving details. But um, who who's been interesting to see of late, especially with the coffee, coffee with comedians and car. How, what is the name of that show? Getting coffee. Comedians with, and cars getting comedians coffee. And cars getting coffee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just the three words. You get them mixed up very easily. It's a cacophony. Um, um eddie murphy has been interesting to me because he uh you 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 i i look at him especially in that episode and and seeing like the kind of roles he's taken and only recently we've seen like him trying 
you know, working on these movies that are more quote old school Eddie Murphy's, but you know, for he made his huge, he had his success and he stopped doing stand up, but he he hasn't seemed to to hear him talk to Jerry Seinfeld. He hadn't. He didn't have that. He doesn't seem to have that problem. Although we could never be sure. Yeah. But he seems like he has his. He's not modest by any means. He has a gigantic like mansion, and but he describes it as a place where his family and kids can hang out, and he's just kind of that's it. Like, like I made hundreds of millions of dollars for people and myself, and I'm here and I'm hanging out. And I'm just he's <laughs> like there's nothing else to it. He's not resentful. He's not trying to do more and more. Yeah. Um, and you could almost see that in his like more muted person. I know it's age and I know it's different, but he doesn't, and it's not a negative, but he, and coming to America and, um, and his Saturday night live performance, it was more like, he's just a, more like going, I don't want to say going through the motions. Like he just doesn't need to prove himself anymore. And you can see it. You can see that he's kind of like laid back and he's not looking, he's not going to, fall down the stairs for anyone anymore he's just he's just who he is yeah it's it is amazing to think of him as being so big in the in the 80s right like the the comedian of the 80s but then he kind of just goes away although he's still doing stuff right but he just he's not front and center maybe even somebody i don't know if this is a fair comparison but what about somebody even like chris rock he didn't he like he was huge for a, a bit there and then he just went away yeah it's almost Thank like you're not saying another football player you know. man <laughs> <laughs> I, I would if i could think of another one I but no but chris chris rock just seems like he he's still i guess they're both still doing stuff but they they kind of raising a family and doing you know doing their thing but um but yeah, Eddie Murphy's an interesting example. I haven't seen that episode, but but um, he's an interesting example that way for sure. It, there's, it's always interesting to think about people who, and and most of the time, you see people who just kind of like flip out and they, they, uh, you know, they just don't know what to do with their themselves and they go crazy. And then it's always interesting. And what you don't hear about, which is makes sense because it doesn't make news, but. You know, people like, um, like, well, Jason Bateman's a bad example because he's very, he's still very prominent right now, but he's very balanced and, you know, he still just has a family life and he's not, Steve Carell was another one that I know we've talked about. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that conversation. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't Yeah. I feel like... <clears throat> So let's, uh, what do you want to talk about with New York? Do you have any questions for Mr. Haunt? <laughs> when was the last time you were there? Oh, uh, let's see. Probably, actually not too long ago, right, be- right before COVID. Or actually, technically, COVID had already started, but Americans weren't taking the proper ca- cautions. So I flew, I think it was like January uh, of last year or something that I was oh, there. Oh, wow. Yeah. So should we do a, 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 a quick trip. Um, intro of Frank? Like, uh, who is he? Where is he from? How do you know him type stuff? 
Oh yeah, did we actually? No. <laughs> I don't think we actually fully did that. Well, we didn't in the other episode. We didn't do that, did we? I can't remember. We kind of went into we... like our story together, but we didn't talk about. I feel terrible. <laughs> we, that uh, let's start it. So yeah, let's let's go. Um, describe your yourself and your history. Oh, you mean me to describe myself and my history? Okay. Um, well, I, I've never played uh, organized football. That's I think the place to start. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Um, no, it's um, I uh, my. So we were. I don't know how far back you want me to go, but I'll just do a quick version, and then you can ask me any questions. But I, I, um, we moved around a bunch. We we're military family, so I landed in Texas, but I've lived in like Kansas and Germany and California and North Carolina, and you know, we just moved everywhere and um, landed in Texas, and then went through high school in Texas, got into Cooper Union. That's where I met you on that famous, now famous bus ride to wherever the hell we were going in that, uh, the camp that they took us to, um, and, uh, went to Cooper, uh, left New York after Cooper and still, still some regrets, but like not, not totally because obviously like married the woman I'm still married to and love and have, have a great family and stuff like that. So, but, but I left New York was kind of burned out and then, Worked in Texas for a while, went to grad school at UT, uh, practiced architecture. I'm an architect and, and uh, ended up going wanting to be a teacher. And so now I teach. I went to the University of Idaho, taught for a while, and now I'm at the University of Arkansas, and I teach architecture, wow. basically, and make, make, uh, make drawings and just enjoying life. That's a short version of my story. And I left out one of the big, by the way, speaking of kind of, let's say, counterculture, I was a skateboarder and still am a little bit, but I'm old now. So, but uh, skateboarded for a lot of years. And so it was kind of in that group, at least of like, I remember even in in middle school, like we were the the outsider. You were always the outsider. And, um, And skateboarding is now more mainstream than it ever was when I was really doing it. But, uh, that was a big part of my life that I, that I left out of my summary there, but very cool. When you say what you said, you got burned out by New York. I thought you had a plan. Didn't you have a finite plan to leave once uh, your wife graduated? Yeah. I mean, there's, so I was, I was burned out in even like, you remember that project that she and I worked on at the Hewitt building. I think that, we, I mean, we spent the summer just busting our asses building this yeah. huge bench booth structure. And I think after that, in the fifth year, just kind of wore me out. And, um, but I also made the mistake, like <laughs> my, this is, I'm saying this kind of, uh, jokingly, but like, I actually, um, said to Emily, like, why don't you come up and live here in New York? We'll live together. And, and, uh, apparently I didn't say it the right way. <laughs> like I didn't say, I, I would love for you to, I, I need you here and I'd love for you to live here or something like that. And so, so she didn't, she said she, no, she, and so I basically chased her back to Texas. So I don't know. I think the plan was <laughs> like the, the kind of idealistic plan was we were going to go to Texas for a couple of years and then maybe come back to New York. Is that what you're remembering? Where, there's a kind of plan to come back. And, and once I left, it was like that, that plan fell apart. 
uh, pretty, pretty quickly, but um, I love New York. I mean, I, I've always said if, if Emily ever left me, I would probably head back. I, I would shed a lot of tears and then I would head back to New York most likely, although I couldn't afford it. I'm sure. So I don't know. If, I don't know if I would actually head back, but in an ideal world, I would head back to New York. So. Yeah. What year did you leave? 98. Oh, wow. So you, so you basically graduated and left. Yeah. Okay. For yeah. some reason I thought I felt like now I remember. Okay. Um, well, you left five years before after uh, before I did and uh it was um interesting to to be there because I had felt like I was already you know one feels like they get pushed and pushed further out and at some point when it's like the place that you grew up in it's you know you start to wonder what the hell are you fighting for yeah so that was uh but it has it has changed ever more, you know, more and more. I'm sure you, I know you visited, but we've our time exploring the city was always uh, structurally like we didn't concern ourselves with places that would have come or gone. Like it was always about the the grid and the and the the streets and not you know. So we didn't concern ourselves so much with you know thinking about our time there. If if a place doesn't exist anymore, it doesn't really affect our story because it's never really, except for maybe the you know a couple of places in the East Village, which is definitely ra- yeah. radically changed. Yeah, I, I did. You tell Mister Hunt about our um, walk up the. No, what was that? A hundred hundred. No, that was more. one of the things I would I would like to recreate that at some point soon but yes we would that it it was was did it happen more than it, there were a couple of walks like that but the big one yeah that i think you're talking about was uh, yeah to columbia wow yeah we to columbia University. yeah we yes Damn. we it was it was at, it was after hours so it was like the, the studio closed at midnight so about oh, like by 11 or so we just all met there were a few of us, and we just walked overnight up Broadway from Cooper Union up to Columbia. Yeah, yeah. Damn. So we, the mo- memorable things were. I know we probably went through Grand Central, and then we went to um, the Plaza Hotel. And I remember going. We walked through the plaza. I remember yeah, Matthew right? like we... playing the piano, playing Satie for me, and I didn't mm-hmm. know what who Satie was, and he would just he was, so he was playing Gymnopedia on the piano inside the lobby of the, the Plaza Hotel. And yeah. it was th- three a.m. Yeah, that that's incredible. that was. Yeah, it was. It was a very romantic. Oh, uh. <laughs> and we, yeah. These are all things, by the way, a lot of things we did. Uh, and I can't remember when we went to, I don't know if it was the same walk where we went to the Grand Central Station and, and snuck into those. Uh, yeah, that, that wasn't walkways. that same walk, but I know I've done that with you and Wyndham. Yeah. Things, yeah, yeah. I know you're going to say. And so, it, well, it's, it's, it's like post 2000, uh, 2001 or post 9 11, I'm sure that. A lot of the things we did. I mean, we walked through the Plaza Hotel at what 
one o'clock in the it morning was after, or yeah, whatever he time it was. That now. And, and nobody was nobody was even questioning that we were there. Right. We were just walking ra- randomly all over the place. I love it. Is very strange. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm sure they don't lock. Matter of fact, I went back to uh, Grand Central one point and to see. Actually, I brought Ben to uh, New York many couple maybe four or five years ago and uh, tried to get in to those glass yeah. walkways and obviously couldn't. I figured that I wouldn't be able to, but um, yeah. And even Cooper Union, you can't really get in or at least i haven't been able to successfully <laughs> get in uh they've they've got me on some <laughs> list i suppose but uh I, but you know what i'm saying right. like the, the, i mean they all it was always difficult to get in there but you could have convinced them to let you go in and look around a little bit but um but now it's just like shut down it seems like yeah, you guys are yeah, talking we... about exactly the type of adventures i would engage in uh, on the regular so I we love stories were, like this. We may have seen you. Uh, we didn't, Mr. Hunt and I didn't know each other then, but we were, you know, at the same age and circumstances. I'm sure we may have run, walked right past you. Seriously. Some, yeah. or, I'm for sure you were in the East Village around the same time. Oh, constantly. But, that was my, my base. Yeah. So how has it changed down there? Andy, you said it, East Village has changed a lot. And I've, I've when I visited recently, like in January of last year, it was, uh, I didn't have time to really go around too much, but, um, I walked it, the village a little bit, but, or Mr. Hunt, how would you say that those areas have changed other than like, obviously it seems like it's gotten well, wealthier and wealthier, like, you know, to, to, that's to afford the main thing. Even. That's really the main thing. It's, it's really yeah. over gentrified, you know, it's all, all the cute little mom and pop shops and restaurants are all gone. It's all just, you know, Starbucks and Barnes and Noble and, you know, big box stores. Uh, it's just become, yeah, you know, not just that neighborhood, but the whole island has become an island for the super rich and it's uh, losing all its character. You know, St. Mark's Place has gone from cool yeah. to Japanese. And yes, St. Mark's Place, when we were there, even you would, you would, I mean, I'm over-exaggerating to make a point here, but you'd kind of take your life in your hands to walk down St. Mark's yeah. Place. Like, you hear a, a brick falling off the building and killing a guy, and, like, you know, they're, they're just... You sort of had to kind of watch watch around oh, yeah. a little bit as you, as you walk down St. Mark's Place. And that was, like, right in the middle of the village. I mean, not... It was a block away from Cooper, you know? Um, you remember Curtis, I, Andy? The I don't know if I do homeless the homeless guy with the frisbee with the like lid and he'd throw the frisbee the like he'd throw this lid up as a frisbee he he hung out around uh cooper but i always thought he was he was so amazing like uh he would just uh, to mr hunt because i i know you've probably seen him a bunch andy but like he would throw this frisbee up over and over again he would like talking to himself and stuff like that but then i remember coming home one night and he had his uh his little shelter set up and it would plug on to one of these uh, condensing units, these AC units, because it was oh. kicking out heat from the inside of the place. So he'd like position, whether it's like a shopping basket or like, I guess it was like a box or something like that. He would slide over the top of it and be, you know, asleep inside. I nice. thought that was just genius. Like, Oh my God, this guy's figuring it out. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure out a way to stay warm. But yeah, Curtis was always curious to me. Always hanging out in front of Cooper. Hmm. 
Very interesting. Yeah. At that time, the Bowery also was already coming around, so it wasn't quite so rough. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't not rough. Right. It, it was starting quite. to. And and the the I remember when the Gap opened at Second Avenue, and that was sort of a, and that happened. I remember that. It was third. Yeah. Almost thirty years ago now, but it was like a big deal. Yeah. Right. Everybody's freaking out. Yeah. Little. That's the least yeah. of the problems now, right, I guess. Right. Oh, I'd give anything to have the gap back. <laughs> then the second, one of the <laughs> other big, like monument instances to me was the. Uh, you know, it's been so long. I forgot the name of that place, Mister Hunt. You'll know the where the Starbucks was. I don't even know if the Starbucks is still there, at um at Cooper Place and where the the cube is. Yeah. It used well, to be a restaurant. <laughs> Speaking of skateboarding, yeah, the Riviera. Mm. Riviera was, was the that, it was a cafe it was a coffee shop coffee shop and restaurant at at that big um at that build big building like kind of across the street from i'm dating myself because i don't think that this the orange the orangey building it's kind of orange yeah brick it has a, like a glass where products is now yeah like, i know i know what you mean yeah I'm trying to remember what was in there. A, across the street was um Aster Wines, but I think they even moved or closed at this point. Yep. Then that place became a Starbucks. Right. Um, Kmart moved there in. There was a Barnes and & Noble. Weird. Oh, yes. The Barnes & Noble. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. The tower. Two stories. Yeah, I think I, I think I remember when Kmart moved in. Uh, didn't that happen I think it we did. Or we were hearing I, about it. Hmm. We have or something like that. This is all a, a blur. I just know, I remember just what Broadway looked like, and I can't imagine what that, although, I, you know, Broadway was, in that stretch was always really interesting, but, but it had a it had a mix of things. Yeah. It had quirky NYU stuff, it had McDonald's, but it also had restaurants. Yeah. What, I mean, is it, is that radically changed now? Is it? All posh stuff. Uh, well, or... yeah, Broadway was. A little uh, bit well, you know, it's funny. It's like, all the yeah. posh stuff now is uh, even before COVID. A lot of that stuff's even been closing down because nobody could afford the rents. So even pre-COVID, you'll see a lot of yeah. empty spaces, a lot of empty retail space. It's, huh. it's just, it's sad and crazy and creepy all at the same time. And and you know, and now COVID has Weird. exacerbated yeah. that. So what are the yeah. why are the rents so high? <laughs> Usually the market dictates stuff and and well you only ask for something because yeah, don't get me in trouble here. Um uh, greedy landlords <laughs> uh also you know kept raising the rent and they figured out all these loopholes that they can make more money with an empty storefront than they can with an actual renter. Really? How does that work? Uh, don't get me started. <laughs> oh man Andy did you uh, I think it was on Waverly Place did, uh, did you go when we had the all you can eat penne yes uh, that one that, that that to me is a sort of memory that stands out where Mr. Hunt we would go after like a review or something and you have to picture like tired and hungry architecture students heading over to this this poor I'm sure they're like, you know, like not expecting people like us to, to go in there. 
especially like Wyndham. Wyndham could eat like <laughs> 15 bowls of penne or whatever. So we they would go in and on, I guess it was Tuesday night or Thursday night or something like that, they would have an all-you-can-eat penne. And they would serve them in these little uh, metal dishes, <laughs> like um, kind of uh, what what shape is like an elliptical shaped dish or whatever. And um, anyway, we would go and have a contest as to who could eat the most <laughs> oh, boy. bowls of this. <laughs> I would, of course, never win because because I would, you're not I, six foot four and handsome. I can't eat that much. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, and 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 that that describes Wyndham actually, right? Like he he's he's the six foot four guy and yeah he would always win uh, <laughs> with the penny he's like six foot four he would win on the penny but he Dude, was let's hunt him down and too. disadvantage like, him he could just... <laughs> <laughs> i think that if we just make a general policy like a federal policy then we got <laughs> we don't have to actually hunt them down but um no but that was those were good times where we had like we had to just stuff ourselves with penne because we probably hadn't eaten. And sometimes we would like intentionally not eat just so that we could try to stuff ourselves with penne. (laughs) It's funny. That was a good time. Yeah. I don't know what's changed with, uh, I, I, I roughly keep up with things related to Cooper itself, but I know that, uh, I'm just curious what that, the day to day is like for a student these days. Yeah. Pretty. (laughs) <laughs> it's yeah i don't know it's it's sad it really yeah. is sad it's um uh, yeah when we when we first went to to get an apartment in uh um our well i lived with my brother on 10th street between avenue first and first avenue and oh, avenue nice. a, i guess or for i can't remember if it was between first and second or but you know that area so 10th street between uh first and what was your rent there second let's say Seven fifty-five for a studio. Wow. For a studio, yeah. and that was a ninety-three. Studio. Yeah, we shared a studio. We had ninety-three. We had bunk beds, uh, you know, a little kitchenette, um, and that's all. Well, I was never there, so we didn't really need much more than that. He went to the school of visual arts, but anyway. So when we when we moved, when I moved in with Chi and Wyndham. Uh, we got an apartment on Sixth Street Ooh. between B and C, and we wanted to see. That was fifteen fifty for a three bedroom, and we wanted to see what what it would be like to come home at three or four in the morning, which is what we often did as as architecture students. And so, we walked to the apartment before we rented it at three three in the morning or whatever it was, and a couple of stoops away a dude shooting up on the stoop and we were like, okay, good. people are out, you know, like <laughs> it's, we don't have to be That's worried. Awesome. We got people, people on the street, eyes on the street. So, and we lived in that apartment for three years. Did you take over by the way, uh, Andy, that, I, did you live in that apartment? I did. I took your room. Yeah. How, how many years were you there? Like not on, under a year because then I moved into in with Don to in the loft in Brooklyn and built out that loft. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember So adjusted for once. inflation, seven fifty would be uh, thirteen close to fourteen hundred dollars. which is wow. which is still cheap for a studio 
in East Village would be amazingly cheap now. Yeah, anyway, cheap. I wonder what yeah. that rent is. What do you think a studio on 10th Street is, Mr. Hunt? I, I guess probably over 2000 But I know. I, I don't even know right now. But it's, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Oh, man, even Coyote Ugly's gone. Speaking. Oh, man. Speaking of uh, 10th Street. Sidewalk Cafe is gone. Speaking of Sixth Street, oh, go on and on. Man, wow! I know. Uh, yeah. Wow. What about Ooh. Benny's Burritos over there off in in Alphabet City? I don't know. We used to get we used to get we used to get Benny's Burritos and a Ben and Jerry's uh, pint, <laughs> and when. And by the time we finished it, it was like you had to lay back on the couch and you didn't want anybody to right. touch you or talk to you or do anything. Like you were so stuffed with food. But yeah, Benny's it's Burritos. Was. I don't know if that's there or not. In, in Alphabet City. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at... Um, right now, I'm looking at 10th Street between 2nd and 1st. It looks like on Zillow, there's some rentals for about 2000 that's not Ooh. bad, actually. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Split, split a studio with 15 other guys, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> Just thought everybody has to wear adult diapers because there's only one bathroom. Now, where do you... <laughs> well, I live where right outside live, Mr. Hunt? in where, New Jersey. But um, I would spend you know, all my time and money in there for most of my life. Yeah. Clifton? You live in where in New Jersey? Yeah. Well, Clifton, okay. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't know New Jersey that well. I know that. Yeah, I'm, I'm like two I, towns I, away I know from Hoboken, Hoboken, obviously. But Clifton is okay, a very okay. diverse town. This is all true. So, so they say. Um, and, uh, and I, I don't know if I'm repeating myself. But um, I used to have this image of New York being, or New Jersey being um, so far away. Well, any, anytime you have to cross a bridge or a tunnel, it's, yeah, it, it might I, as well be, you know, might as well be Texas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I do think that I, I mean I heard you say that on a on a podcast and it's so fascinating to think in that in that way and but I also remember you uh, tell me if I'm wrong about this but did, did, there's a kind of rom- romanticizing of the Holland Tunnel is that true or not like I remember you talking about the Holland Tunnel or maybe there was some writing you I did, I romanticized Andy, about the Holland Tunnel the Holland Tunnel aggressively yes oh man <laughs> get a room. <laughs> I love that because because <laughs> it was uh, what's interesting. What interests me. <laughs> remember that uh, um, Diane Lewis, <laughs> that was Diane Lewis's line. Um, uh, it 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 just it's just a square block. So you look at the Lincoln Tunnel or bridges, and they have all this infrastructure. These like these. R- on and off ramps that circle around and it just takes up a lot of space and it's very Robert Moses-y. But the Holland Tunnel was like, it was a square block in the city and the tunnel just popped up right there. 
knows that you didn't even know it was there. You were a block away. You didn't know that the tunnel, this, the entrance and exit was, you know, just inside this square block. And that was it. And very compact, very compact. And you come yeah. out and you're going through Jer going from Jersey into the city that way. It's like, there's no grand, right. you know, you sort it's of pop there. out yeah, and you're there. Very true. Yeah. It's a, very, a mystical very, portal. And the Lincoln Tunnel was more showy. That bitch. more showy, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> the Holland Tunnel was yeah, the, yeah. The Lincoln Tunnel so six foot four. <laughs> yeah, the <underdog>. yeah. But <laughs> that, that's our new curse word. The, sorry, the sorry, Holland Tunnel led out into. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, yes. I, does it let out into Tribeca? Okay. Yeah, that's another one that was your you romanticized I did. Tribeca, and and romanticized it probably at a time where it was just becoming Tribeca. Or am I wrong about that? Like Tribeca, when we were there, was it like? I guess it was already kind. I of don't think cool, it was right? like, like it was... really really cool. It was cool in um in a way that. So at in the in the in the early nineties, so even Soho was still cool. Even it still had art galleries, and it was starting to turn. But um, so in terms of like these raw loft spaces that nobody wanted, every you know, uh, it was still re it was still feasible, and the rents were still. I was even finding rentals there, talking about going into second year and renting something with my brother, and it was still. We could have you know a lot. It wasn't like that outside the the realm of possibility to rent a studio or a loft out there. Um, but then by yeah. the time 98 came, it happened so fast. Like I had to be in Bushwick to get a lost space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from, from trying, that's the, that's your next book. From Tribeca to Bushwick. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Hey, I want to ask as native New Yorkers, do you, uh, what do you think about what's happened to the West side with the high line and, you know, the like Chelsea, but the, the whole high line, it seems like the high line has really developed the West side. Whereas when even if you want to talk about a place that was rough <laughs> when we were there, like we never even went to the West side. It was so, it wasn't even like, there was no reason to be well, there. Unless I, you I like hookers and drugs. About that, but like, what do you think? about? What's happened to that area? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, two things I, I avoided, uh, you know, it, I, I guess you've heard from previous, uh, podcast i'm i'm a new york city history buff and um you know i can tell you my uh you know i had two different uncles that, that lived you know my, my mom's from the city and i had two different uncles that lived in the city one of the east village one of the west village and um my my one uncle specifically bought an apartment in the far west side uh because he was a drug dealer and he wanted to go where the action was. So he got a cheap-ass apartment in, in the West Side and, yeah. you know, did very well as a drug dealer. And uh, he's still alive in that apartment now. He stopped dealing drugs many years ago. His neighbors are Tom wow. Brady and Giselle, who are selling their apartment. He still lives in this basement wow. studio, rent-controlled for, like, 200 bucks a month, where, you know, all his neighbors are, you know, literally celebrities and it's just like so i i can speak very intimately about the changes that neighborhood has gone through and um you know so uh, you know i think yeah 
uh, it gets back to, to balance, right? So I'm, I'm happy when they create park space. Uh, you know, I was happy about the High Line. I was able to tour the High Line before and after they made it a park. Um, you know, but, but it's, it's, it's like, okay, I don't want crime, but at the same time, I don't, don't want it to become now with like Hudson Yards, for example, it's, it's this like super area for the super, there's not enough billionaires in the world to A, rent that space and B, buy anything from all these high end retailers. So it's just, it's destined to fail. And, you know, yeah. you it's going to go through the cycle again where now, you know, that's all going to shut down and it's going to become a bad area again, eventually. <laughs> so it's just like, you see these cycles over and over. So I'm all for, yeah. you know, um, you know, I, I, I talked about this privately with Andy, but you know, so, you know, the West side was always really bad. It was um, Giuliani that actually cleaned it up, got rid of the homeless, got rid of the drug dealers, got rid of the, re, I should say relocated the hookers. Um, but you know, the way he did it was bad and wrong and evil and mean and, um, you know, so, but he did quote unquote, clean it up. Um, and then it was Bloomberg who turned everything into parks. He planted trees up and down the West side highway, made everything a park land. It was, and the, he beautified it. Uh, so Giuliani cleaned it up. Bloomberg beautified it. And then, you know, from there, that's when it started, you know, it was after Bloomberg that it started to become like ridiculously super rich. So it had a, a good, yeah, you know, it had a good run there. Yeah. It is fascinating how these things change. And, and you had talked about in one podcast, the, the idea of places like Memphis, for instance, being, like these are places that one can go now and live a life like a creative life and actually afford to do so. And uh, New York doesn't offer that anymore. And it's, or, or I, I I'm speculating that it doesn't really offer that anymore. I mean, maybe there are parts of New York that, that do, but, um, but not the areas of New York that we knew. Um, but it's uh it's in some ways it's sad, but you also like have these new cities that are emerging like new creative it's almost like they're instead of a creative center there are many many creative centers or like that that uh there's been a diaspora of uh the from new york based on like the the uh people who just need to be able to afford to to create and make things and and not be kind of burdened by the by the rents and stuff like that like we were we went to this the ceremony in new york several years ago now 2016 i think it was and the New York architects there were all jealous of the price of actually making buildings in Arkansas or making buildings in rural, more rural areas because they're looking at, you know, $1,000 square foot or more uh, in terms of construction costs easy. And we're talking right. about $150, $150 a square foot in construction costs, you know, so they're all like. Oh my God, like, you know, you can be playful and creative and stuff like that with $150 a square foot. Whereas to do that same thing costs us $1,500 a foot or a thousand dollars or whatever it is. For so, sure. Uh, yeah. And they're moving. A lot of the architects in New York also have to move locations a lot. Like their rent gets driven up. Yep. So they have to find a new place. And then that rent gets driven up. Yep. They got to find another place. You know, they're constantly moving. Well, I think um, I don't want to 
as much as I don't want to end the show, I would like to say that we should do this again. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, this I was, was fun. Like, yeah. And I, I promise not to talk about <laughs> Tony Romo so we'll much. We'll just call this one the lost I, episode. I did. Yeah. I'm actually just going to rename it the Tony Romo podcast. <laughs> yeah, right? That's a good guess. Yeah, let's do that. Let's get, get <laughs> you know what? We should just aim to get sued by Tony Romo. That's like that'll put us on the map. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for both of you for spending some time with us in this in this little bubble. Frank, lovely meeting you. Yeah, it was great. And it was good to yeah, good to meet you, Mr. Hunt. And uh I'll be listening. You're the one, baby. Mm. The future mm. podcast. So keep that in Very mind. exciting. Thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you for visiting Mobius Theory Spaceport.